two weeks ago, oh, actually, um, yeah, so two weeks ago, our church was sent an email uh, by an organization called Area Youth. And I actually forgot to give that announcement during, uh, in the beginning. So I, we have some flyers. If you haven't received one, if other groups want to raise it up, and if you haven't seen one, uh, get, received one, you can, you can get one. We don't have an incident now, so uh, we're just trying to give it to people who haven't received one yet. And you can just raise your hand if you haven't got one. So, um, so, the, so they told me that they were promoting an event known as Wave, W A V Wave, and uh, this, yeah. So they gave me their promotional materials, and um, I met them at church uh, like about a week ago, uh, two of them. And when they showed up, I couldn't help but notice that they were they were quite young. They looked quite young. Okay. Uh, and then later on, I learned that they weren't even out of college for about a year. So about 23 years old, around there. And intrigued, um, as we sat down in the office, we were just chatting and asking about their involvement in this organization, uh, and, how, and actually how they came to start this organization with a group of friends. Right, so what they saw like, in the Bay Area, they saw a need um, for disciple making, for discipleship. But a lot of churches, uh, they, they might not have the resources to do that. Some churches might be smaller. Uh, maybe they only have like a handful of youth. So, they can't like hire a youth pastor to really shepherd or take care of those youth. And then because of that, a lot of churches are being ineffective in making disciples, right? Followers of Jesus. So their vision was to provide resources for youth and for churches uh, who, who don't have the financial means or, or the resources to, to really help them make disciples, right? So even though these, these two young men, they had full-time jobs, and they, they took on uh, this this organization it took on this task, this challenge, um, and it took initiative for the benefit of others. And that's really what leadership is. Leadership is taking initiative for the benefit of others. Uh, Justin, he, uh, he shared this definition with me about two weeks ago, and I've just been thinking about that like, every day for the, for the past two weeks. Um, right? So churches, they rise and fall right, based on leadership. Based on leadership. There are so many examples of churches and leadership in, you know, you can probably read the news and, and you can read books um, where uh, leadership fell short, and because of that, the church suffered. And I know for me, um, there are probably a lot of areas in which I haven't led well, so I do want to apologize to you guys for that. If there isn't any way in which you feel like I haven't led well, you can come speak to me. Um, I try to be open and, and hear you out and see what how we can. You know, better our time here, better our, our community here and our family here. I know that the leading is not easy, and I'm still learning. It's not an easy task to navigate at all the changes and challenges that happen inside our church. I, I assume that many of you are here because you call this a church your family. Or maybe your parents decided to bring you here. I don't know, maybe you didn't have a choice. But you're here, you're here anyway, so you're, you're, you're one of us. But So the, the way that church is led is going to affect every single person here. It's just, that's just the way it is. If you're here and you're part of here and you're experiencing what's here, church leadership is going to affect you in some way or another. Some decision is going to affect you. So turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6. And today we're just going to go through the first seven verses. Acts chapter 6, first seven verses. Now, as you're training there, I just want to give a recap of what happened, a short recap. So the church is been attacked once from the outside, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, twice from the outside, and once from the inside. Remember, God 
killed a, uh, uh, a, dis a dishonest couple right, who threatened the church and what it stood for in its mission. Right, the apostles were thrown in prison and could not talk about Jesus. And, and, and not only were they hated, but they, the Jewish leaders wanted to kill them. Right, but they, they couldn't. They had a testimony, the gospel that they needed to share with people. So they began to, they continued to teach and preach and proclaim the gospel. And because of that, which was bread and butter, more and more people came to know who Jesus was, and more and more were added to their, to their number. They, right, God did amazing things right, through these disciples. And as we read today, it says, in, chapter, in verse 1, it says, In those days when the number of disciples were increasing, right, the Grecian Jews among them complained about the great Jews because their riddles were being overlooked in daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God right, in order to wait on tables. Our brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them, and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Right, this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, uh, Procurus, uh, Nicanor, Timon, and uh, Par uh, Parmenas, and Nicholas, and from Antioch, convert from Judaism. Right, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So, the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and the number of priests became obedient to the faith. Alright, so for an organization to succeed in the face of change, right, change needs to be made. Changes need to be made. And this is true of any organization, right? Any, like a business or a school. Like, for example, uh, think about uh, if your students here, think about your schools or your parents that like, you know, go to school. If, if your school in that year, uh, let's say, there was an influx, an increase of a thousand students. An increase of a thousand students. Uh, how would your school handle that? Why would, would they need to be larger class sizes? I know my sister's a teacher, I don't think she would be happy with that. Right, larger class sizes or more more teachers? Do they need to hire more teachers? What, what about uh, teachers taking on more roles? Right, maybe you don't teach me, but now you gotta teach me, you know, or something like that. Or uh, what about renting more space? Like maybe renting portable uh, homes, right? Like portable roofs. Or how about funding? Right, to adequately adequately meet the needs of these students and their families and giving them an education that is, uh, that is, that is good. Right, so the church was growing and things were changing. And, because, and before there were 120 people and the beginning of the book of Acts, but then now there are over 5,000, probably like way over 5,000 now. And because of that, there were some very real changes that needed to be made. So I want you guys to think about, if you guys have, some of you guys have been here for a long time, maybe like a decade, how has our church changed over the decade? I've only been here for about two years, but I'm sure some, most of, uh, a lot of you guys have been here longer than I have. Right, some of you guys like have been here since you were in your mother's womb, right? So how has this church been changing over the years? How has it been changing now compared to last year? I think one thing we need to do to adapt to meet the needs of these that, that these changes bring. I mean, verse one we read about two groups of people. I right, take a look. Two groups of people. We have uh, we have the Grecian Jews or the Hellenistic Jews, 
and we have the Hebraic Jews. So Hellenistic Jews or Greek Jews were Greek who spoke, uh, Jews who spoke Greek. So these Jews, uh, most likely, they, they came from outside of Israel. They, they, you know, they, they grew up outside or something, but they came to settle in Jerusalem. So they were more accustomed to the Greek culture and language. When I think about this, I think about our church, because uh, we're called the home of Christ, right, in West San Jose, but we have an English service and we have a Chinese service, right? So we already have two languages spoken here. Some people speak Taiwanese, so that could add another dimension to things, but, uh, right? So due to language, there's already a natural divide, isn't it? We think about our demographics, our congregation is, uh, it's, it's a little more balanced, I would say, but uh, you know, we have people as, as young as 12 years old here, and probably going upwards of, of past 60, right? And here we have a lot more youth, right? Probably about half or so of, of our congregation are youth, right? And you know, youth, what, their, their, their job is to study, right? They don't, they don't hold jobs. And in a sense, like they, they're not able to give to the church financially or, or whatnot. But, you know, for example, also um, a lot of people here in our party, as I look around, are um, second gens. Right? They're, they're, they're um, children of immigrants from uh, China or Taiwan or, or other places, Hong Kong. And people who grew up here have a Western way of thinking, have an American way of thinking, which is very different than, you know, the, your parents or your grandparents' uh, culture. The, when I think about that, I think about Fresh Off the Boat. Anyone know that TV series? Yeah. Fresh Off the Boat. It, I, like when I watched that, I was just like, "Wow! Like this is this is this is so real," you know. And I think a lot of people can relate with that. If your children of immigrants can relate with that. How at school all your friends do this, and then you show up, and you're like, you feel out of place. I, I, uh, I, I also think about you know the the, new, the Facebook group that just exploded last year with what subtle Asian traits, right? Subtle Asian traits. That thing just exploded out of nowhere, and I think a lot of people can relate with that because they're like, oh, your family's like that too. My family's like that too. Oh, your your mom acts like this. Your dad says that. Oh yeah, like, you know. Now I get it, you know, because we our parents had the same background and we experienced the same things. I think a lot of people found a lot of life that group because they, they could relate to one another and, and support each other and talk about things. Right? The Chinese congregation on the other hand has a lot more people who are in the retired stage of life. Um, we have a lot more elderly people. Uh, a lot of them are, uh, majority of them are like over 40 years old, probably over 50 years old. And to my knowledge, I don't think any children go to that service. I know youth go to that service. Right, at the same time, they have more offerings, they have higher offerings, because a lot of people have already, they have savings, they have jobs, they have investments, and all of that. So it's just different, right? It's just different. And I don't mean to divide our church or cause disunity, but these, these, these things, you know, just demographics, all that, it, it causes, it's just different, right? So here, although we are one church, we, 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 it seems like we have two groups. So that's why we have things like joint services, where on Easter we have joint services where we're together. And then you can, you know, look across the aisle and be like, oh, wow, I, I don't even know that person's name, or I don't even, I never seen that person before, maybe, right? We all come to the same church. 
We have commonalities with all unique differences. And these Hellenistic Jews, they, became, they, they began to complain that they were being overlooked. That they were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So back in the days, due to the, due to the culture, widows, uh, they had a difficult time supporting the family. Right? Just, to, just to the nature of the culture. It was difficult to support themselves and possibly their family. And they needed help. So a system was placed, put in place by the church to care for these widows. However, over time, the system broke down. As more and more people joined the church, they more and more widows, like these apostles, they couldn't do it, like take care of all of it by themselves anymore. Right? And change needs to happen, uh, or else this family of God, this church is going to suffer. So these 12, uh, they gathered disciples together, so they didn't do this alone. Okay, they gathered disciples together, and it's like, hey, you guys look for people who are, are what? Are full of the Spirit and, and wisdom. Full of Spirit and wisdom. And I really think that this is really great because they're bringing other people in to help solve the situation, right? They're getting others involved in the decision-making process. Right, they, they said to, the, to these disciples, we've got a situation on our hand. Right? We're, our, main, our main responsibility, as we read here right, in verse uh, 3, is that our main responsibility is to teach. Right? Teach the word of God. But we can't, we can't do that effectively if, uh, if we need to take care of the daily distribution for all these widows. Right? Our main focus is to teach. Right, and perhaps at one point these apostles, right, they were able to take care of it themselves. <clears throat> Maybe if there's only a handful, yeah, they can do that themselves. But now they couldn't. And Satan, I believe, he's trying to distract the church. Distract the apostles to hinder the church. Distract them from their primary responsibility. Right, I think this is the third way in which Satan impacts the church. So the first he attacks from the outside persecution, right, like putting people in jail. Take time from the inside by entering into people and, and people being dishonest and just causing disunity in the church and what it stands for. And then now, a distraction. So, caring for widows, any disagreement that that's a bad thing? Any, any disagreement? Like, it's a good thing. Right? It's a good thing. I, my hope is that our church is a church that can care for widows in our church. Because we do have. But a good thing can become a bad thing, right? When it distracts from the primary responsibility. So I want you guys to think about what are you passionate about? Or what do you care about? What desires do you have in reaching the community for Jesus? What desires do you have? What's distracting you from that? I spoke with a friend a few weeks ago, and he was, he was telling me about, like, hey, man, Phil, like, can we talk? Like, there's just so many things I want to do. So many things I want to do for God. I want to think about this organization, this, this person approached me to join this and to do this and to volunteer here. My church needs this help and all these things. And also, you know, he's like part of like, you know, like starting up a business and all that. So he's really busy. And he was trying to navigate all these things that he wanted to do. And all those things were good. Okay, all these are good. But things that, what, 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 what's his primary responsibility? What's at the forefront of what he needs to do? And he doesn't, right, he doesn't have the time to commit to all these. So he had to cut loose some things. Right? He's saying, I've got to let this go. I can't do this. I need to focus on this. Or so, what is that for you? Maybe it's just one thing. Right? Don't let Satan distract you right, from your calling. 
So for this church, this is all new territory for them. They are the first church. They don't have any church models to go after. Okay, they, they can't just tune in to like a podcast or join like a pastor's conference and be like, wow, they are successful. No, let's, let's learn what they're doing and, and fit that in our context. They don't have that. Right? They are pioneers. So they decided to choose seven men right, who are full of the spirit and wisdom. And to these men, uh, they, they were going to give them responsibility to care for widows. And notice how it didn't say they chose the most powerful men. Okay? Let's say, notice how they didn't say they were going to choose the wealthiest men. It didn't say they were going to choose the smartest men. But rather, people who are known, right? People meeting people around them to confirm. Because right? people are going to choose them. So you know, people around them to confirm and acknowledge and support them. And like, yeah, these people do have those traits. Right? These were men who had Jesus written all over them. When you spend time with them, you just you can just see, wow, like this person hasn't changed by Jesus. Right? This person definitely has a testimony to share, right? Right? These are people who love God and love others. Are they were wise, meaning you could trust them to make the right decisions. Not only did they know what to do up here, but they actually did it. Because foolishness is what? It's, it's knowing the right thing but not doing it. These people were wise. Or these were the high people we wanted in leadership to help make the right calls, the right decisions, to do the right thing. These were people who we wanted supporting and watching your back as you're trying to do something for God. So look at verse 5, and we see the names of these people. And man, it was a mouthful just to read these names. These five people. So, first off, we got, we got Stefan, right, which we'll talk more about next week as it's a whole story on its own. We got Philip, right, known as the evangelist, who shared the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch, as we'll talk about later in the book of Acts. That's going to come up, that, that awesome story. And the rest of these five people, we actually don't know anything else about. All we know, is, except, except for the fact that they were full of spirit and wisdom. Right, so the apostles, they then prayed for them to lay hands on them, and together they commissioned them. Gave, they gave them authority to, to act. And this is, also, this is always good uh, to give authority to people you delegate responsibility to. And because they did so, what happened? What was the result of that? Verse 7. The word of God spread. And the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Right? Imagine, look at this. A large number of priests came to receive Jesus and call him Lord. They became obedient to God. And now what? Now they have a testimony. Right? We talked about that in the baptism session. Now they have a testimony. Right? These people, priests were people who served right? God in the temple. They were supposed to be like close to God. But yet they were so lost. Because they didn't know Jesus. But through the church, as the word of God spread, right, as people weren't being distracted and they were able to focus on what they were supposed to do, these priests came to know God. So that can happen to you as well. If you're focused on what God wants you to do, then people can come to know God through you. That's what it says here. And right now, I, just, I think it's a really great time to just share with you guys a couple of things that are on my mind. And changes are beginning or have happened or, or probably will happen in our church. Okay. So when I first came here two years ago, we had about five to six high school students. 
You know, I, I would meet with some of them weekly to talk about life and God and good relationships. And these, uh, these high schoolers that were committed, they, they had a deeper desire, and they had a desire to go further, to go deeper. Now, I could do that because I had the time to do that. Someone else was teaching Sunday school, uh, and I had time to do that. But then some of these youth, uh, they went off to college, okay, so they're not here anymore. And at the same time, uh, I came back from Lee Sunday school, and like, I wish I could have continued a meeting with the remaining of these students, uh, but I couldn't, right? Things change. And that, that's, that's what happens, right? Change happens. People go off to college, you know, I have to fill in a different role or whatnot. Now I'm just trying to navigate that. Or there was a period of time when there was only one youth that came on Saturday nights. And because of that, I could tailor the, the, the Bible studies and all that to this person. I could, as I talk to the person, I figure out what the person is going through, what the person needs, what questions, and I could tailor our studies to that person. But then after half a year, you know, one became two, two became three, and four, and five. And then later on, like, uh, a majority of that group weren't even Christians, then I really had to change what I was doing there. Right, and then last year, uh, in, in August, September, around that time, we had a bunch of youth come over from Moana. So that changed things up, right? I couldn't effectively lead about 10 youth, potentially 10 youth, on my own. So I needed help. So my family graciously came to help. They were really, like, the best helpers, right? Really awesome. But then now my parents, they, they might go back to Japan for missions, for work, at the, you know, later on this year, in about maybe July or August. I don't, I don't know. And if they're gone, then that reduces the number of help I have. Right, then there's always a, you know, the thought that, that I need to plan in advance to meet the needs of the youth, the needs of people that I'm caring for. And right now, there's only one high schooler in our youth uh, on Saturday night. Family time? Right, family time, only one high schooler. And she also happens to be the only female. Okay? So, in a group where we have about like five guys, and all middle schoolers, right? You just think about that, right? Like, and, and I've been really wrestling with this because if, if, I was, if I was putting myself in her shoes, like, would I, would I enjoy family time? But like, would I want to go? Like, I'm so much more mature, and like, I'm just in a different stage of life, and there's like, these rowdy boys who just like, just want to like, scream and squeal and like, bark, make bark jokes and stuff like that. You know, like, like would I want to go to that, right? So, like, well, how could our church help or in this situation? And, and I have a few, I, I think about a lot of things, but I don't have the answer to that. And if you guys have an answer to that, I'd be more than happy to hear your suggestions. And this goes for a lot of things. A young adult, when I first came here two years ago, uh, we didn't have a consistent, committed group of young adults coming. We, we had like one. And, and yeah, we had like one, okay? And then, and then last week, now, we, we went to watch movies, had dinner, watch movies, and we had six people go, and then, like, people couldn't make it, and it's all good, you know, next time. Yeah, next time. Uh, yeah, like, and we were getting together, we were just building relationships, and, and you know, know, getting to know each other more, and I have no idea what's going to happen next. I don't know where, what this group is going to, how this direction is going to go. I, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to move forward. I don't know who else is going to invest in this group. I haven't figured that part out either. Right, children's ministry, 
Okay, this might be new for a lot of you guys. Children ministry, Kim's leading that, and she loves what she does, and she loves kids. She's really great at what she does. I, when I, I get to pop in like, once in a while on Sundays, I sneak in, and I, and I kind of see what they're doing. They're doing crafts, or they're, they're learning about the Bible. They bring out like this board, and, and they can like stick things on it, and tell the story, and they can be engaged and all that. But I learned that she doesn't have consistent help either. So I know some people... Um, would help time to time. Some people would, would be able to commit like one month out of the year, or someone can commit two months. I know uh, some people in our generation help out, which is really great. But she doesn't have consistent help. Or some, some months she's alone. And, and she, she doesn't get to take a break. As you can see, she's not here right now. Right? You look around, she's not here. Because she's there. She, she doesn't get to join our services. Because there's no one else that can that 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 that, that can help or take that, that spot right now. And I just I, I, that doesn't sit well with me. That doesn't sit well with me. But these are all things that we need to navigate and figure it out. And I do think all the people who do help her really, really awesome and so supportive and that's a really great way to invest in the in our church and in people here, the kids here at the future generation. Alright, next, Awana. Awana wasn't always here. Right? People who have been here for a long time. Awana just started last year. It, it, it's, it, Awana's about what, a year and a half old now. I know one anticipated that they would have like a, a, almost 30 kids sign up for Awana. They didn't anticipate that. They didn't anticipate on any given night there might be like 25 kids. And sometimes I was, I was thinking to the Awana group. I was sitting at the, at the way back and I was just sharing what's going on. And I see the kids are asking questions, they're being engaged, they're memorizing scripture. They, and I was talking with my girlfriend last night, she looked at Awana, and she was just saying, like, man, these kids are really thinking. They're not there just to have fool around. They're actually really asking good questions. And, man, if they're not giving good answers, then these kids aren't going to stick around for long. Right? Once they, 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 like, they, they tell their friends, I don't want to go anymore, or like, or like they just, you know, then, you know, maybe a parent will bring them. Right, and the, I, I heard that, that the ratio of teacher to student is supposed to be like 1 to 4, 1 to 5, but right now it's like 1 to 10. So teachers they have a much harder time like providing an environment that's good for the kids, and the, the kids, they might not be receiving as much attention as they should. And we're praying that God will bring people into the ministry to, to help out and, and, I would, and we're praying that people, that they will come and love on these kids or to, to really see God do a miracle salvation in their lives. And, in the, and also the past few months, or this, is, this might be really good for a lot of you guys, but uh, you, guys, you guys know we have a transition elder board? Yeah? A transition elder board? Yeah, I think I, I see some people shaking their heads and they're like, <laughs> transition elder board, so we don't have like a formal elder board right now. Because we only have two elders. Two, we only have two elders, active elders. And what happens when we only have two people in the, in the leadership, leadership making decisions? What one says no, one says yes. What happens? It's a stalemate, right? Nothing happens. Right? And you know, so, so that was a problem, and that's, that's why we have a transition elder board where we have people uh, like Simon and Jimmy uh, come in. And then, and, and now there's four, and when you have four, there's a lot more room to work with, right? 
and you're also bringing more, more thoughts, more ideas uh, to, to, to the table. And in the last few months, they were considering, hey, let's, let's try and transition out of transition outer board to back to a, maybe like a formal outer board. So let, let, let's bring on these people who can be potential elders. All right, so elder back, elder, elder Jerry in the back. Say hi, elder Jerry. Hi, elder Jerry. Yeah. So we call him elder Jerry. Some of you guys call him Uncle Jerry. Do you guys actually know what he does? No. Does anyone know what he does as an elder? Can he? Or do you, or do we just call, all call him elder Jerry for namesake, right? All right. So, so what does he actually do here? Uh, okay, would you like to just, just share with us just a little like snapshot, maybe like like one minute or what you actually do as an, as an elder here? What's your responsibility here? What's your role? That's a surprise question. Yeah. We, we, we didn't write these. I, didn't write this. <laughs> I like to change things up, you know, keep him on his toes. Actually, yeah. one time, uh, I think one of the Sunday school people asked me, if there's a gunman show up of the door now, I'll be the one. To take the bullet. That's it. That's my job. To protect the church. Protect the church, including everyone. That's my job. Alright, thank you. And that's a that's a big thank you for that. Yeah. So so maybe maybe that's that's new for a lot of you guys. But yes, the Bible teaches that elders are here to guard the church. Okay? I mean maybe not only a security guard sense, okay, but like spiritually as well. And he, he's been given authority to, to, to really fend off attacks. Like some, church, some people want to take advantage of our church, or maybe there's people in our church that are causing conflict, just like Ananias and Sapphira, right? God dealt with them, right? Uh, the apostles dealt with them. But, yeah, we need to protect them. We have people here, we're all sinners, and when sinners gather, we have conflict. Isn't it? It's just natural. Like, man, choosing a place to eat is, like, the hardest thing when you have, like, ten people. Okay. So, we have conflict, but not, not just, like, food, that, that's really minor, but other things, like how to use finances, right? Who should be put in leadership? What direction do you want to go in our church? All these things. Right, that's, that, that's part of what Elder Jerry does. And it's really, really important, man, that the stuff that he goes through, man, I, I even I don't want to go through that, because it's just so much people, like, conflict stuff, you know? But he's there to, to guard the church, protect the church against those things. So there's a lot of things that go behind the scenes here at our church. Okay? Everything we choose to do here is a result of a conscious decision. Right. And I realize that we don't have many co-workers in our church, so many people uh, in the past and, and present right now, they're shouldering a lot more than, than that's healthy. Like, some people, may, like, they, they, they might spend less time at home um, than they spend at church. And that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. If you're always coming to church for meetings, you have to do this, someone asks you to do that. Like, it's just, it's just not good, right? People, they have lives, right? They have jobs, they have family. Um, they need time to have fun and relax. Like, I, that's so important. I, mean, I get that. And that's something that I, I have to wrestle with because when we're shorthanded, you know, in so many ways, yet things still need to happen. Like, we need to find other solutions, right? And sometimes those solutions don't come quickly, they don't come easily, and that's something that I also have to learn in Elder Jerry and leadership here at Elders, or learning to navigate here. It's, it's really, I mean, it's, it's cool, but it's also, it's, it's challenging. And people are very busy, 
Right, and church can potentially what? Suck up a lot of time. Right, I invited a, a youth to join the Sunday school one time, and the response I got was, why do I need to go to Sunday school? I already came on Saturday night. I have so much homework to do. That's what I was told. And in the moment, I was just like dazed. I was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, okay. Like, I, I, I understand that you're a student, you know, Bay Area is very competitive, and you're Asian, and, and your parents have expectations for you, and you have expectations of yourself, right? And I, get, I get that, right? And I was like, okay, well, yeah. Um, yeah, you just, you, I guess you just do your work, and, and I know you, you did come on Sunday, on Saturday, you came for Sunday service and whatnot. Right, those words really sank into me. Right, when people can't make it to church or they leave right after service, I wonder, like, what if, like, what if we didn't have Sunday school? Or what if we played pre-recorded songs more often? Because if we only have one worship team or whatnot, or in the past we had two, but then there's that transition where, like, Esther went off to college, right, then we had one, and, you know, like, for one to do it every week was, it's, 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 it's a lot. Right, so we can play more, more, um, pre-recorded song or something, or uh, what if we moved to a smaller room where um, we, we didn't need to set up AV? Because there was a period of time when, like, the same person was doing AV, like, every week, and that, that, that meant that person needed to come in a lot earlier at, like, 8.15 every week, and, and it was just, it was tiring, right? There's no one there to, sh- to kind of shoulder that, that load. What if we, yeah, what if we just made it easier on everyone, so we strip away all the instruments, right? Take away all the AV. Um, we don't even need to be in this building, right? We, we go to a smaller building. Like, all those thoughts went through my head. Right? And I was thinking, if we stripped everything down in our church to the bare bones, what would our church look like? Have you guys thought about that before? If we stripped everything down to the bare bones, And the answer was quite simple, because it's what we've been talking about. A group of people devoted to the scriptures, right, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, eating together, communion, right, and also praying together. But that's the church. It's not just the building, it's the lights, it's not the, the, the music, the board. Or, 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 music's great, right? music is great, but it's not it. If we don't have all the fancy stuff on that, that's okay. Right, whatever that looks like in whatever context we're in, and I'm sure that's, that's going to change as well over time. As, as people come and go, right, as life changes, it, changes are going to happen. Right, and we're going to need God's wisdom to navigate all of this. Right, I'm learning to lead, and uh, in, the, in the past few weeks, it's actually really interesting because it's all happened in the past few weeks. Maybe it's very timely. Um, but yeah, I, was, I, was, I met Justin, and Justin was talking to me about leadership and all that. He was telling me how, yeah, it's, it's, it's been really difficult for him, too. Like, he was telling me how um, their, their church has a 25%, uh, like, uh, like, like, 25% of the church leaves every year, and they need to, to, to have 25 more people, 25% more people come in just to sustain the same number of people. Just because, I asked him, like, why? Why does that happen? He says, because Bay Area is very expensive. A lot of people come here for jobs. And when things change or things don't work out, they leave. 25%. And their church is about like 400 people. So 100 people go in and out of their church every year. Right. And we're like 25 right here. About 25. 
So like that's something that he's navigating, and, and it, it, it's painful for him because these are people that that you know he's invested in, people that they 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 they've committed to being part of his family, and yet you know for various reasons, maybe not good reasons or good reasons, uh, they they leave. And that, that's the part for him to navigate. And for me, you know, also just just it's really interesting. But I you know I, I started listening to this podcast. Um, you know, I, I know Howard shared it to me like a year ago. It's the the, the, the Carrie Newoff uh, leadership podcast that can help you lead like never before. And that, that's his his view at the beginning of every single podcast. And it's it's about church leadership. Um, how do you how do you lead better? And I've been listening to that just I'm driving. It's just like. Just like it just sucked me in, you know. Like it's, it's brought so many new things, and one of the craziest things that, that that it made me think about was VR church. VR church. Are you guys hear? Think about that. VR church. Okay. You put a put on a pair of Oculus, and you plug into your PlayStation or your or your um, computer or whatnot, and boom, you're in a virtual world, and it's like you're in a virtual church. You're like maybe you can look around, you can like see what's going next to you, and then like there's like someone's giving a sermon and there's like, you know, seeing all that. It's like, it's just so strange, right? It's so strange. And maybe there's a need for something like that out somewhere. Maybe there's a need for something like that. Um, I don't know. Our church doesn't need that yet, I think. But yeah, our church, that's a crazy thought. Yeah, so leadership. What does it look like to lead? I'm, I'm learning about that too. And one of the goals that I had set for uh, our church um, I'm sharing with that with you uh, now, but it's to um, to look to search for leaders, right? To and then to equip them and then to empower them, to give them opportunities to lead. Right? To to search, equip, and empower. Right? That's something that I've been trying to work on and think about this year, because that's what we need, and 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 we need we need leaders. We need leaders. But not just anyone, right? We want people who are who are full of the spirit, right? Who are who have wisdom, right? To lead. So let's go to the Lord in prayer right? as we ask the Lord to lead us in times of change, and as I invite the worship team to, to just come forward and just to just play some music and, and let's just really pray for our church just together. Okay, let's pray together silently or or you pray out loud. Um, let's just let's pray for like a minute or two. Yeah, and then um, let's just pray not and I'll close after like a minute or two. And let's just pray for our church. We, we rely on you, we rely on the scriptures to, to guide us, to lead us through that. Or we ask that you would give us wisdom from above to navigate. But we pray that you would raise up leaders in our church, people who are full of spirit, who have, who have a love for you and love for people who, are, who have wisdom. that down for us so we can have that. We ask that you would continue to uh, build up our incarnation and really help us see this as, as our church. You know, to take, take responsibility, to take initiative for, for the benefit of others. Lord, thank you so much and we really trust and we believe that you're going to do that because you're going to build your church as you said. So Lord, would you keep your promise to us? Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to just go into a time of offering.